Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Jude Therapist. You know, with all the Hollywood strikes going on and conversations about what goes on on set as a writer, reality TV, I think it's perfect timing to air this awesome conversation with Nick Thompson. He's from season two of Netflix's hit reality show, Love is Blind, but there's a side of him you may not know, the storyteller. Nick believes everyone has a story to tell and should shine as their authentic self. Nick's most passionate about building human connections to remove stigmas around mental health, holistic lifestyles, culture, free speech, and more. His podcast, Eyes Wide Open with Nick Thompson, elevates these societal issues with honest, authentic conversations with expert guests, all to ensure we show up in the world with our eyes wide open. As a self-care and human connection expert and market executive, Nick helps empower individuals, coworkers, and business teams to take actions that help them learn and grow. As a writer, Nick authored a self-care guided journal titled Rebuilding You, Eight Weeks to Help You Reconnect with Yourself. He also has created an amazing organization called You Can, which helps reality stars have a place to feel safe, to talk to somebody after the truth and things that come up during the whirlwind of reality TV, being in the limelight, being criticized, and not getting a lot of support and love when you need it most. So I'm so excited to share this amazing episode, a conversation of realness, boundaries, and honesty with Nick. Let's get right into it. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. we got a pretty cool dude here. And like I always say when we have men on, I don't have that many men who are on the show talking about mental health. So Nick, I'm so excited to have you on. Uh, can you introduce yourself to the listeners if they don't know who you are, which they probably do at this point in the world today of Netflix and, and Love is Blind. But if you can kind of introduce yourself a little bit uh, before we get started. Sure. I never assume people know who I am, but... Um mostly it's like a face thing. Like I feel like people recognize my face because they're like, Hey, I know you, but they don't yeah. know from where, and they don't really know from what, and they can't yeah. quite place it. But, um, I'm Nick Thompson. I was on love is blind season two. Um, you may probably know me from that. And, um, in my personal life, I'm a marketing executive and consultant, and I am a mental health advocate, which I use my platform to speak to pretty much all things, mental health and self-care and, um, you know, Boundaries is one of my big, <laughs> big things I like to talk about. Um, and then also, I recently founded the You Can Foundation, the Unscripted Cast Advocacy Network, which is decided uh, dedicated to helping ensure all past, current, and future reality cast TV members have access to mental health and legal services so that they can actually um, survive. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. One of the things that, you know, I've been a fan of yours because of Love is Blind. One of the things that I, I, I enjoy doing while watching those kind of shows. Uh, I'm not here to throw shade to other shows, but I happen to like Love is Blind more than other dating shows. Um, I'm a relationship therapist, you know? I know you probably yeah. used to, but like I'm a specialist in relationships. It's like what I do every day as a therapist. And I watch these shows and I say, if only I was there, if only I could be there, if only I can help them, how much more successful the connection that was made on that show for real good reasons which was getting to know someone without any other external mm -hmm. forces 
the second they leave the pods and go to whatever, either Mexico or whatever place they're going, at that point, like, let me come. Like, I want to be there to help them. Because You would think. And it makes so much more sense to me because you think that a show would want success of their couples. And these shows don't have it because there's a make or break point in that beginning stage. And I know for you, I was so impressed by your level-headedness and and like logic thinking about the whole, the way you just talked about relations, the way you dealt with the things. And I'm sure it wasn't as, I'm sure we saw like three seconds of everything that you did (laughs) because of those wonderful glasses that, um, you know, hide the production, you know, ease of flipping, flopping and cutting and pasting the way they want to, (laughs) uh, to make their narrative come through. Did you, did you know what you were getting into? So that's a great question. And I do want to to say, I hear from many therapists and other mental health professionals, psychologists, all professors, all of it. And they all say that they're like, I watch you, not me specifically, like I watch these couples and I'm like, I, I think I could help them if I was there. And the difference is what you get is a producer who's stirring the pot and you're then building toxic or unhealthy conflict not even resolution, just conflict behaviors that you then have come up again and again and again, because you're in this pressure cooker environment. Mm -hmm. And then when you leave and you get dropped back into reality, you, you are forced almost to like that, that's your relationship. So you behave in the way that you behaved there because that's then all, you know, and so from my perspective, did I know what I was getting signed up for? Absolutely not in some cases, at least. Um, some I did. So like I knew I was signing up to go on, you know, this quote love experiment that's psychologically based and all of this stuff. I knew I was giving up my phone for three weeks. I knew that I was going to be um obviously the premise of the show I knew. So I knew I was going to be dating 15 women at the beginning. And, you know, I was completely comfortable with going home after meeting all 15 and saying, Hey, you know what? My person's not over there. Uh, And I was totally comfortable going all the way, which is what ended up happening because I, you know, I had done a lot of work on myself and I was confident that Mm. I was just going to be able to show up as myself. What I didn't sign up for was being, um, slowly ripped away of anything that identifies me. So they take your phone, then they take your IDs, your wallet, credit cards. If you had any cash, I, I, Pro tip to anyone, slip some cash in your socks because you're going to want to have something (laughs) when you go on these shows. Um, So they took that away and then they take away your passport and then they go through your bag. And so they just slowly sort of strip away anything that is, is, um, you know, part of, of how you identify or literally your IDs, your identification and stick you in a hotel room for two days where you're basically not allowed to leave because you don't get a hotel key. And they tell you, you're not allowed to leave. You're not allowed to interact with anyone else on the cast. Um, And this is just guys in, you know, one hotel, women in another. And you're stuck in this hotel room. All you can do is call and ask for a half hour session at the gym, which they scheduled for all of us. Or the one day you could go to the pool. And if you wanted to go to the pool, you could do it in half hour intervals. But again, you had to like basically sign up for it. Otherwise, you're stuck in your room. And then you go to film and you're filming 18 to 20 hours a day. You're not getting access to food and water, except on their schedule, no matter how many times you ask for it. Um, You know, I have dietary restrictions and preferences that they were aware of. They asked for, they had documented, didn't really do anything to follow those. So there were times that we would get fed and I could eat like, you know, the side salad and that was Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So I lost 15 pounds 
in mm-hmm. the first three weeks, which I did also not sign up for that. I did not sign up for a weight loss challenge, but um, that was a uh, a very like in the moment, it's just slow and you don't really think it through. But when I mm-hmm. think back to it all, it was like, this was a progression of, of taking away my identity and manipulating me into staying and manipulating me into situations where I'm not well fed, I'm not hydrated and I don't have sleep. Yeah. And you know, it's funny is that the thing that kind of, I think after this last love is blind season, you really came out and really, really like pushed this beautiful organization that you're really trying to, to really create, to create safety for people who from the outside looking in from the watchers and the people who don't know what truly goes on. And we think it's all this, Oh, I'm sure they're treated well and they're celebrities and they're fed well. And it's this amazing experience of being on a show. You're like, let's pull the curtain back and show the truth. How's that experience been that you've been like really trying to educate people? Does have you gotten any backlash or pressure or like is that how does that create for your mental health kind of opening up that wound again? That so that's a, a great question. Um I have I had decided actively at the end of last year that I I don't want to be quote a celebrity. I don't want to be in the line light. I have my following that are here at this point really to see, follow me in my life and hopefully pick up some tips and tricks and things that mm-hmm. I learned that I share with everyone. And I was, I just remember it was like a week before the, the, the new year. And I just was, I had lost my job. I'd gone through a public divorce. I had, uh, you know, part of the reason I lost my job was the show. And so it's, it's hard. And to this day, I still have trouble finding work. Like that's why I'm doing so much consulting because, you know, people just don't take you seriously anymore. So Mm -hmm. I had decided I'm done. Like, I don't want to be an influencer. I don't want to be a celebrity. I have this community. That's great. Um, you know, if it, you know, people talk about monetization, like if it makes sense to monetize something I I do, but that isn't something that's really a priority of mine. Yeah. And so, you know, I had decided like, that's it. I'm just going to talk about you know, connecting with people and mental health and, and wellness and taking care of yourself and doing things for you, because that's what I needed in the moment. Like I needed to do things for me. And that was all, you know, I was going to be able to really share. And, um, you know, I got reached out to for a business insider expose on the mental health challenge and really all of the challenges that we faced during production. And I remember I read it and I was like, I don't, this is going to take me right back into it. Like I'm, I'm out of this. I didn't have like publicist. I didn't have agency, anything like it was just me. And, um, you know, I turned down other media opportunities to like, Oh, Hey, you know, we want to catch up with you, see if you're dating and all that. I'm like, I'm not dating. It's not anything exciting. It's actually really depressing. So like, no, I'm I'm not giving an interview. And this business insider one, I was like, you know, I, I'm the kind of person who used to say somebody should say something when something was wrong. And then I became the person that said something when no one else would say something. So I, I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to never in a million years thought I would go on a reality TV show, let alone come out and be one of the the leading voices against how people are treated and how human rights are stripped away. So from my perspective, I sat there and I was like, you know, I can't help myself. Someone should say something. I'm going to take this interview. And I was... Mm long, I think it was two hours. And then we had a follow-up too with Business Insider. You know, you're just walking through everything from 
when did they first reach out to you to where you are now? And so yeah. you're going through the process over and over and over and over. And going through that, I was again like ripped back into this world. I was, you know, I, I had not really interacted with anyone from the show other than Jeremy, who co-founded the foundation, and then Shane occasionally. Um, but otherwise, I didn't. Everyone was muted on social media. I didn't see it. I didn't know. Obviously, yeah. Danielle and I were were not talking. Um, and then it was. I, <laughs> I remember because I did an interview with Inside Edition and they were like, okay, we're going to do an interview with three of you at, from this article. And um, they were like, okay, we're, are you comfortable doing it with Danielle? And I was like, no, like, I really just don't want to see her. Mm. And it wasn't, it was just, it was too painful. It's, it's yeah. still too much. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I decided that when I saw um, us together doing this voice, I kind of got a little bit, em- being this voice, I got a little bit empowered. And then it was mm. Nick Vile coming out against it. And that's when I was just like, you know what? I'm in this and I'm here. I am. (laughs) (laughs) I love that fire that is lit by someone else, you know, doing that. And, uh, and this, you know, I got like, so when you insult my integrity, that's, oh yeah. Like I don't, you gotta, you gotta fight back. Yeah. And like, I know most people don't have the level of integrity that I have. And so if you insult my integrity or my intentions, then that's it. Like, I don't put up with that. You can say I'm a whole bunch of other things, but if you insult my integrity, like that's a, that's a no, that's a no, no, no. I love that. Yeah. And you know, like, let's be honest, the way they do bachelor, bachelorette and all that stuff. And Nick's kind of like the famous bachelorette bachelor name. Yeah. It's a different world than the experience that you might've had on love is blind. It's different production teams. It's different companies. It's different focuses, different pushing different. It's a whole nother. You can't compare shows, even though I'm sure there's similarities. So like, right, and if you go like, Google him and you look, he had the same issues when he was coming sure, out of it. He said he complained about it. Trashed. Yeah. yeah. And, and then if you compare to like, say for example, survivor, which by the way, I never understand from a mental health perspective, why anyone would put themselves through suffering of being on an Island starving and <laughs> but clearly you were starving and love is blind and uh, look like a nice hotel area kind of thing so maybe it's the same thing but you know for me that that power of boundaries is something that i f- i feel so bad like i actually feel bad for the people who go on these shows i think for good intentions hopefully i'm sure there are plenty of people that we always find out they're kind of trying yeah. to be famous or or push their music career so or whatever many, like right so many i'm sure so many just to get <laughs> followers and you know hopefully monetize things but for people who actually want to do, do that how can you kind of talk a little bit about the boundaries that you had to learn or that you've never experienced to have to create before in your own life that could be helpful to kind of the general public Yeah. And, you know, one of the ones that I was very confident about this and very confident in my multiple, multiple interviews that I did and psychological examination, I said, I'm pretty confident. Like, I know who I am. I know my value system. I don't, you know, really make any decisions without filtering it through my value system. Um, I'm responsive, not reactive. And I am probably not right for this. Like, I'm probably not what you're looking for. The producers will not manipulate me and they will not get me to say or do something that's out of my character. And so that boundary, there were multiple times where I was like, I'm not saying that I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. And, you know, there were, I mean, I can think of one kind of funny one off the top of my head. Like I have an inversion table. Uh, I had a herniated disc a couple years ago. This yeah. was the thing that helped me more than anything else. Highly recommend to anyone. And they were, the producers were just enamored with that. And they wanted to do like whole scenes about it. I'm like, you're not going to make me look silly because I'm a VP at my company. Like you're not, you're not going to make me 
a joke because I have an inversion table. Like, yeah. so, you know, stuff like this. So I said, no. And, and yeah. they had this whole thing where they wanted me to do a scene. It's just weird. And so, um, you know, stuff like that. I said, no, what I think the big boundary that I've learned that I wish I had, and if I ever, I will obviously never do another reality show. Now I'm 1000% blacklisted. Um, but if I did, I wouldn't, I wouldn't deal with the say this, this way at all. I wouldn't tolerate not getting food and water. I wouldn't give up my ID. Um, because you know, think of it this way. You want to leave. They have everything. You can't leave. Let's say you just decide to leave. You up and walk out and they physically don't stop you. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to stop a car. Like you're in the Texas chainsaw massacre and beg for help because you just broke away from a reality TV production. You know, it's like, so it's so, yeah, it's so intense. So I I would just, I would make sure I keep my ID. Like I said, I would bring cash somehow. I would sneak cash in uh, just so you you have it and it's something. Um, And then ultimately the, the bounty that I took away from this in my real life is that I'm not going to let someone silence me when I'm telling the truth or when I'm telling my truth. I'm not going to let someone silence me um, because the narrative goes against the norm. Yeah. And, and, you know, as someone who is involved in social media and I I know that you have a huge following uh, now, now doing a lot of, and you have been always doing consistently good kindness and you're very real and honest. There's no, you know, tricks or tools to you. You're (laughs) not, you're not, you're not, you're just who you are. And I admire that. Can you kind of give maybe some maybe ideas of how someone can create that boundary for themselves, not getting pulled into that social media kind of narrative or even that world that we are so stuck in? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It is so hard because, you know, I did I get a bad edit quote? No, I wouldn't say that. But did our relationship get a bad edit? I would say, yeah, probably a little bit. And, um, you know, instead of showing some of the fun stuff. Like if you watched after the altar, you saw, you know, a a little bit more of what, you know, the good things in our relationship were. Um, but basically my advice to anyone would be don't look at what someone else is doing on social media and compare yourself, which I know is easy to say, but if you find yourself doing that, just stop, maybe get off social media for a minute and then just check yourself. Okay. So one example I like to share is on new year's when I came back on social media after a a week or so off, I didn't do anything on New Year's Eve. I was again, like sad and everything had, had been really difficult the last few months. And so, you know, I went on and I was like, Hey, you're going to see a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of influencers at parties, at galas, wearing beautiful gowns, all this stuff. And you might be at home and just know like I'm at home and that's okay. And Mm. That would be my advice is like, just check yourself and know that like your individual life experiences do not ever compare to anyone else. Two people can go through the exact same experience and come out completely different. And my advice to people is just try not to look at that and compare yourself. Instead, look inward and figure out what's unhappy with me about this right now, or what am I unhappy with myself about right now? And address that, not compare yourself to someone else. Oh, I love that, man. That's that's, that's so real. And I think uh, I wrote like an, uh, a post that I haven't posted yet. Like one of these, like when I have time or it means to me, it's like the difference between checking yourself and like hiding yourself, like, like that, that idea mm-hmm. of how to check yourself correctly. Um, and it doesn't have to be something that is 
uh, submissive or silencing, but just mm. in tune to who you are because um, it's so important to kind of see where you're at. And, you know, I want to tap into the relationship side of you a little bit. You know, as a man, you're in this public eye of, of relationships. <laughs> and then you're also in, you have your own real private life. What are some of the things that you have learned for yourself as the man in a relationship that you think you can share or feel comfortable sharing that you feel you've learned from the experience as well as going forward for any man who might be listening when it comes to their their role in a relationship or their mental health in a relationship? Yeah, I really good question. Um, I think one thing that I learned for myself in a relationship is that I need to... Um, first of all, be transparent about what's going on. I am, uh, you know, I've, I've been battling depression since six or seven years old, and mm -hmm. it took a long time for me to understand it an even longer time for me to know how to live with it. And, um, you know, that was something that I didn't share and I didn't share it with family. I didn't share it with friends. Instead, I would isolate. Mm -hmm. And so I have this, you know, 35 years of isolating when I'm depressed and feeling bad. So I think for me, like one of the big things I learned is like, I have to share what's going on and I don't have to share every detail. I don't have to share every feeling if I don't feel comfortable doing that, but I have to share, Hey, I'm not feeling myself right now, or I may seem distant, or I may not be very talkative, or I may be, you know, trying to spend more time by myself, but like communicate what's going on so that you don't create this dynamic where nobody really knows how you're feeling. You don't really know how they're feeling. Um, and, and you can kind of, especially in, in a scenario like love is blind, you can kind of build this, um, you know, sort of resentment almost, uh, because you don't really know each other that well yet. And then as time goes on, like they'll know like, oh, when, you know, Nick wants to be alone, he, it's, it's okay. It's nothing I did. It's, you know, he's an introvert. It's this, it's this, it's this. Yeah. And so I think it's just communicating, but also like to your point, what your post is going to be about, like check in with yourself. I think like the most important thing I learned to do is check in with myself, allow myself to feel the way that I feel and know that, you know, or, or I say this sometimes too, is like life's peaks and valleys, right? When you're in the valley, build a campsite, not a house mm. and get your, and just know it's going to end and get out of it. And I think just being mm. able to check in with yourself and then communicate that out to your partner is the most important thing. And then active listening. I, I'm a fixer. So it's my initial instinct, as soon as anyone shares a challenge is I'm going to help them fix this. And that's not necessarily the way to be most of the time. So I've learned to try and, and listen better, but also ask what they need in that moment. Yeah. One of the things that I really admired about you on the show, like, I want to be very clear when I watch these shows, I'm watching from a therapist lens. Cause just, I, I love, I love love. Like it's, it's what I do for a living. Yeah. And I, there's a reason why I do it. And your ability to, to, I found your ability to not be reactive was so admirable that you were so just, you sat with things and you expressed and you didn't just. That's a learned one or, skill. One or, one or two times, of course, but that's production. So I don't know what to trust regarding what happened 10 minutes before, or even three seconds before in the conversation of, of anything, right? I, how do I know? I don't, I can't trust any cut and paste of the yeah. show. But from what we did, from what I did see when I was watching, and even on the 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 follow ups, or you know, watching you your lives, your posts, you seem very grounded. For that, that's just maybe perception. I could be totally off. How have you? What has been your journey? You said learned. How have you learned to be that way? Because that's not something that we as human beings is so easily readily available. 
So what what are some of the things that you've done to kind of hone that skill or hone that ability? Great question again. Wow, you you were right about you. You do have good <laughs> questions. Um, so that was a learned being responsive instead of reactive was a learned skill. I used to be super reactive about everything, and that's kind of how my family is. To be honest, like everybody's on edge. Everybody's you know you know feel sometimes like they're a ticking time bomb. And so that was all I knew. And what I started to figure out was I don't want to be like that. I want to live my life on eggshells. And when I started in therapy, when I was like 31, maybe uh, 30, 31, uh, one of the things that I, I learned again was boundaries. And so for me, that was, Hey, like maybe you don't go see your family every Sunday and put yourself in a situation where you're going to be uneasy. Maybe you don't always pick up the phone when a friend calls or is a friend is in need. And maybe you don't drop everything to go be there for somebody else all the time. And so as I learned like these behaviors that I just had ingrained in me as a child and like these, these feelings of angst, once I started putting up those boundaries and being like, okay, I'm going to see family less. I'm going to spend less time with family. I'm going to be less available to people. I'm going to, you know, I'm introverted. So I, I prefer a lot of recharging time by myself or doing my own thing or listening to a podcast or going on a walk. So I started incorporating these things into my everyday life. Um, and it, it, it just slowly, like my angst and my anxiety just sort of dissipated. Mm. And when I went on to the, that was the thing, like going onto the show, um, aside from like stress of, of working, I, I didn't really like things didn't really get to me in the sense of like, they would mess with my mental health or mess with my level of anxiety. And, you know, I, I would literally say like, I don't have any anxiety outside of like normal work stuff. Like I don't get anxious about stuff. Like I, I listen to people and I, I can respond because like I'm clear headed, I'm in a good place myself. So I think just like taking care of myself and listening to what I need. And again, that inward checking was really just helped me to, to be like, okay, what's going on right now? What are you feeling right now? What are they feeling right now? Assess that situation. Take time if you need it. It's a big one for me. And and go on. Because if I don't, like I'm sarcastic, I'm dry, I'm brutal. So like if someone says something, I could say something instantly that would just yeah. stick them. And you know, sometimes I still do it in comments on social media. Um <laughs> it's probably deserved, you know. It's probably they probably yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, more or less. But um, you know, otherwise it's just that that learned skill of being able to to take care of myself and look inward before saying something. That's so powerful. I don't think people realize how important that is. There's something that you said, you know, the idea that you said, I think there's a lot of pushback on that, which I think is wrong. The pushback people say, you sound so selfish, right? It's something that people say, like, <laughs> you're not going to help your friends. You're not going to be with your family. You're not. And when I work with clients or even when I do these kind of interviews or, or people reach out to me, whatever it is, like I have like a cutesy, like it's not selfish. It's self-full. Like there's a bet that's, that's the middle balance. That's the middle ground. So yeah, you might see it as selfish because it bothers you. That's the thing that people don't talk about with boundaries is that you create this boundary and people are like, what the hell are you doing? What you're yeah. not, you're not saying yes anymore. You're saying no, you're not sure. What? It's I can't to use protect you? that relationship yeah, though. Exactly. That's the thing people, people don't, don't see that. At it. And they, they think, think it's, it's like a an affront, a punishment. Exactly. Oh. So how, what are some of the things that you might say to, to people who might be listening, who say, you sound so selfish. How am I dealing with, if I create those boundaries, how do I say no without feeling bad? How do I create those boundaries without backlash or deal with the backlash 
because you know you have to say no now often i don't want to do this interview right you had to deal with now another human being's life in the public danielle's life in the public and your life in the public and most people don't have a relationship for half a million people and divorce and you know the drama and the intensities and the nitpicking every word you say right of like oh they should have done this they should have done that whatever it might be in the craziness right how do you help someone understand how selfful it is and not selfish what are some of the things that you can do to explain boundaries to other people yeah so i think first and foremost and this is something i i have to do because i i do feel guilty if i say no or if i don't respond right away and sometimes i just don't have the bandwidth i don't have the the mental capacity at the moment. So what I, what I first try to do is like show myself some grace and acknowledge that like, I don't have this for someone else right now. And that's okay. If my glass isn't full, how do I pour into someone else and remind myself of that step one, step two, um, you know, I, I assess where this person is like in the hierarchy of, of a relationship to me. And if it is someone that's super close, I, and I really can't be there for them or I really can't support them in that moment, or I really can't go to this event or really can't go to this family gathering, then I will, I will say, here's what's going on. And here's why I cannot right now. Mm. And I will communicate that to them. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, show, they'll show me some grace. I'll show myself some grace. They're, you know, going to get what they need at some point, if not from me, from someone else. And, um, you know, I, I just have to remind myself, like, if you're not full, you can't share with someone else. And I think that's probably the most important step people have a hard time doing. That piece that you said about expressing exactly, I think that ties into what you said about in relationships in general, transparency. It doesn't mean transparency means you just are word vomit to everything and everyone. Right. It means that when something needs to be said, you say it nicely, kindly, well, you get your point across. Because if your family doesn't know why you keep canceling, they're going to think you're a butt face, right? They're going to think you're mean or think you're, 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 you're avoiding them. And you might be for good reason, but there's more to it than just, oh, Nick's not talking to me. Or um, you can then, the other person can create such a narrative in their head. That's the worst narrative you can think about someone without actually knowing. So I think what you said about relationships, if, if you need time or if you need space, hey, babe, hey, honey. Hey, mom, dad, brother, whatever it is, I need like a day or two to recover. I've had a, a you know a couple months of craziness. Uh, I love you, I care about you. It's not you. I really just need my own space. And that sentence just solves their own mental health struggle. Yeah. And you know, you you dealing with depression since you were like six or seven. What are some of the things that you can speak about that you think are very unique and maybe special? to men and depression that people might not even know or be aware of, or, you know, women might need to hear about the men in their life. Um, I, I completely support um, men speaking about it. And I think one of the things that was so damaging for me and took me so long to get to a place where I felt good about myself was because I didn't talk about it. In fact, I hit it. I would get depressed and I would be sick and call off work and I couldn't get out of bed or I would cancel plans for the same reason or just go dark in some instances and isolate, which is, that's my go-to move. And, um, you know, I think the way I grew up and I grew up in like the nineties and the two thousands that 
you weren't really allowed to talk about it as a man. Mm -hmm. One, you weren't really allowed to have these feelings. You weren't allowed to be emotional or have emotions. You were supposed to be tough. You were supposed to work hard. You were supposed to provide for your family and you were supposed to do it with a smile on your face. And what that does to this entire generation has been so damaging. And that's that generational trauma, right? It like comes down, down, down. And when I, when I've had the ability to step back and I look at my, you know, family all the way up to my grandparents. And I remember it's like, Oh, this is how everybody is. And nobody talks about it. And so, you know, my advice to men is it's okay. You know, it's okay to not be okay. I have on my bracelet right here. Um, you know, it's a, a, daily reminder. And I would say that to all men, like, it's okay to not be okay. And you have people in your life and you may need to figure out who that is. And, you know, maybe that helps you decide who should be in your life and who you should shed for some, someone else. But, um, you know, find the people that you can talk about things with. Mm. Don't be ashamed of, of going on psychology today and finding a therapist. Don't be ashamed of reaching out and asking for help. And then for partners or women or, or other men or whomever, what I would advise is ask, do check-ins, um, because it is very hard for men to talk about this because society has ingrained it in us that it, that we have to be a certain way and we have to be quote manly. And, um, and so I, I would just encourage like check in if you, if you're, uh, if you, you have a partner who's a male or a female or anything, really any gender, you can just check in, check in once a week, check in a couple times a week to see how are you feeling? What's on your mind? What's bothering you? And give them that space to take up space with their emotions so that it can be normalized. And then Mm -hmm. you don't even have to do the check-ins at some point, hopefully, because you'll just be able to communicate, um, you know, in a more organic and natural way. Yeah. There's a three questions I heard from a guy named uh, I forgot his first name. His, his his Instagram is Real Clark. He's a ESPN Instagram. He has the podcast called The Pivot. Um, okay, and, and he has this line. He goes, "Are you okay? How are you doing? And how can I help?" Right. Yeah. So it's, "Are you okay in general? How are you doing today? Is there any way that I can help you and whatever you're struggling with?" I love that. And it doesn't have to be something that you nag someone. If they're off, are you okay? Are you okay? You just ask it once in a while. You know, check in with your friends, especially men to men, right? Because I think that we don't do that for each other as men. Mm-mm. I think it's something that we just go, hey, dude, hey, man, you know, want to go hang out? What's up? How's the fam? Whatever ridiculousness that we text to our, our, our yeah. buddies, right? Uh, and whatever stupid bro talk that I just said. Um, or we but just, I think my friends and I just don't send say. memes back and forth. Yeah, all memes day. <laughs> and, and right, memes and, and, and uh, you know, TikTok videos or some, you know, you know, whatever it is. Um, and there's no, there's no depth. And sometimes we're afraid to get deep with other men. And I understand that we condition that way. It's afraid. It's sometimes really worrisome to be vulnerable and what they're actually going to say. How am I going to deal with it? Oh my goodness. But I think if we just ask a simple three questions, of just, you're not, you're not getting depth. You're just saying, how are you doing? Are you okay? How can I help you? And they don't have to answer, but you're showing up. And mm-hmm. it's not that you're asking deep questions like, Hey, I know last time you talked about this, this, and this, I want to check in with that specific situation. You're just showing, I care about you. And I think the thing that I'm always jealous about is that women do that for each other so often. And I'm always so jealous of women, female relationships of the, of the vulnerability and emotional connection that is so easily available. And I think if we do that more often as men and become accustomed to that, I think we would just be kinder, happier, more stable people, better, a better, a better society. 
you know, and I want to, and I want to, you know, in the last, the last thing I really want to ask you is that you really, my wife shared your organization with me and she's like, yo, you got to check out what Nick's doing. This is amazing. Um, and I looked into it and I am so impressed that I think people assume that when a person goes on a reality show, that their life is all of a sudden either better, amazing. You have followers that must equal awesomeness. Parties, yeah, every follower you make every a follower amazing, a year. <laughs> right? Whatever it might be, everyone thinks that you have this golden ticket. Uh, and the reality is it's not true. Now, I'm not saying that you don't have good lives outside of reality shows. I'm saying just because you're on a reality show doesn't mean you have the golden ticket. And I want can you give, you know, and talk a little bit about this amazing organization that you started that I actually am associated with right now. And I'm really excited about it because I can't that's wait awesome. to help people. Um, and that's really what got me really more interested in you. I already am a fan of you before, but this organization really put it over the top to the beauty that you're creating in the world. Well, thank you for the kind words and thanks to your wife as well. Um, that's really good to hear. Um, so the foundation, as I, I mentioned, is designed um, and dedicated to ensuring that reality stars get legal and mental health support uh, because you sign these contracts and they're like 30 pages long. Some of them are even longer. And you don't really know what you're signing up for just from reading this contract. And people say, oh, you should have read the contract. I did read the contract. I had the contract amended in ways too because of my work. And so it's, I did read the contract, but the bottom line is like, you really don't understand to your point on how they, how you speak about editing that when they say they can defame you, they say you can be misrepresented. They say you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm not going to do anything stupid. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be the villain, but they can literally edit you to say something you said in a different conversation in a new conversation and just not show your mouth moving. And they can move scenes around, which they've done recently in, in season four, which is, is awful. Um, and, and horrendous. There's a scene I just recently watched back, um, some of my season for, a. A video that I was uh, having produced, and it was like hard to watch. But one of the scenes in the pods, I was like, I definitely did not say that to that person. Like, there's mm. that, that was not have come up in our conversation. Mm. And it was, and we had like three conversations. So it was like, I knew I didn't say that there, but they threw that in there. Mm. And it was, um, yeah. And I'm just like, okay, I didn't catch that the first time I watched it. But, um, you know, there's things like that. And so, this organization, from a legal perspective, we want people to understand these contracts. We want them to understand what they're getting. We also want them to understand their rights because there are certain things you cannot sign away in an NDA or you cannot sign away in a contract. Um, like your, like what we have lawyers looking at now is, do you have the right to sign away your ability to sue someone for defamation? Because mm. that is a legal matter and that is protected by law. So can you really sign that away? Can you really sign away your right to speak your truth? Because we have a constitution that gives us freedom of speech, right? Mm -hmm. So like, what are the legalities that they can actually enforce with these? And that's what we're trying to make sure people understand. And then from the mental health perspective, they all, they all say, oh, we take care of our cast or Kinetic says it's of paramount importance to us that and we have rigorous protocols in place to support people before, during, and after. It's like, no, you don't. You didn't have... You, you did a psychological exam, which I would argue was probably utilized to cast people into certain roles and push people into certain directions. You didn't have anyone on set because if you did, I imagine they would have wanted to come out when Danielle had a panic attack in Mexico. And then I begged 
for help afterwards because we couldn't find a couples counselor just because it was COVID and so many people were were overbooked. I'm sure you lived through that too, where you were, yeah. you know, working. I, I mean, my therapist was like, I had, she, I think she said she had like 30, a 30 a week caseload during COVID. And she was like slowly letting people, yeah. you know, when they leave, it was like, okay, I'm not going to fill that slot. So like people were, people were busy and we couldn't find any, we just literally couldn't find anyone that could take us. So, um, you know, putting this network together and thank you for being a part of it and thank you for supporting it, uh, putting this network together, we're just trying to help people with getting mental health services when they need them. And the outpour from other reality shows, competition shows, game shows of people saying, I had my first panic attack on set. There was no one there to help me. I was, you know, sexually assaulted and they gave me an IV, a security guard and said, let's, let's keep filming. And it was just, you hear these stories and those are some of the worst ones or whatever, what just happened on the ultimatum queer love, I think is deplorable, despicable because mm. you have a, a community that's like already marginalized and then already, you know, scrutinized by some of the public. And then you put them in a reality TV show and you make it worse. Like, I think that's, that's horrible. And some of the people I've talked to from uh, the ultimatum queer love have been extremely damaged. And so yeah. making sure that people have somewhere to go when they need those services and that we have a network of people. Um, I think we're close to having someone in all 50 States. Cause as you know, licensure depends on state lines. And um, you know, I think just having that network so that we can pair people up. I mean, think of it like this from a, you know, you know, you're not every therapist is good for every person. So we, you know, we think of it like, okay, well we're going to put, you know, if someone from a show comes to us and like, I, I need help finding a therapist or I need help um, you know, with, with mental health services of some sort. Um, you know, we want to be able to say, here's three profiles, like which one fits best for you, you know? Yeah. And, and if that doesn't work, that's okay. We've got these other five. And yeah. so that's kind of the goal there is to just get, be this resource right now. Ultimately, like we have some, uh, uh some, some things on our agenda to, to just push change in the industry. Like we're going to advocate for change, um, from a, a legal perspective, we're going to make sure that, um, you know, reality cast members are treated like human beings with basic human rights, have mm -hmm. uh, normal labor working conditions, um, you know, whether it's similar to SAG or even similar to something, uh, so, you know, some other union organization. Like we want to make sure that people have these basic rights met, that they are, you know, in these these situations with a with their eyes wide open on what the the contract is and what can actually mm -hmm. happen and i think that this is a step one into just really pushing a whole lot of change in this industry that's gone widely unregulated um in in most areas i'm so i'm so excited to see what you do because it's just like i think it's so <laughs> important i think you know there's so many fans of yours and the reality world and, and not knowing the truth and you're really kind of taking a, a really big dive into a beautiful place of hopefully opening people's eyes as well as helping so many people. So thank you so much for what you're doing and continue to do and being a face of mental health advocacy um, and change. Uh, I very much admire, admire that, that space that you're really trying to create. It's really amazing. Well, I appreciate you saying such, you're so kind. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> well, thanks so much for being on the show. And uh, I really, really, really enjoyed the conversation. Me too. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. It means a lot to me because without you, the listeners, this podcast can't happen. 
So every listen, every download, every rate, review, and share means so much to me. And I hope you enjoyed these conversations as much as I did. Talking about wellness, mental health, and relationships is one of my passions. And that's what this podcast is all about. So thanks so much for tuning in. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, ideas, thoughts, collaborations, email me at thedudetherapist at gmail.com. Always feel free to DM me on Instagram at thedudetherapist. Don't forget to be kind to yourself and to others. And as always, see you next time on the Dude Therapist Podcast.